Yes, okay, actually, yeah, I'm just looking at the Pasuk um, because that's a very important secret about the Mashiach. Um, just looking it up. Well, in Nishmas it says, uh, it says, Matzil Oni Mechazok, or as you say, Matzil Ani Mechazak Mimenu, right? God saves the poor man from that which is stronger than him, right? The Oni the Evyoin Migoizloi, right? An Oni which is a poor man, and an Evyoin which is again a real poor man, Migoizloi, from a robber. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> and that actually is a very important pasuk because who is it referring to? Well, the first one it's referring to, uh, just one second. Just. Yeah, that's a very important pasuk. So therefore, Matzal Oni Mechozak Mimenug, that God saves the poor man from somebody who's stronger than him, right? So, the real question is, you know, uh, you know, what do you mean? Why does he have to save somebody who's stronger than the poor man? Who's who's going to bother a poor man, right? Right? Who's, what's he going to give? Poor man has nothing. So why would God save the poor man uh, from somebody who's stronger, you know? And then it says, only the Evyoin, right? The poor man and the Evyoin, and Evyoin is a very poor man, Migoizloi, right? From the robber, from somebody who would steal from him. But the question is, obviously, <clears throat> if you're a poor man, why would anybody rob you, right? There's, nobody, there's nothing to rob. Correct? So the Pasuk is very strange. <clears throat> so what that Pasuk really says is because the first one refers to the Jews. Only we are poor. Right? Why are we poor? Because we don't have the Shekhinah. Right? The Shekhinah is gone. So therefore the Jewish people are considered very poor. Obviously. Because Everything comes from God, and if God is concealed or hidden, right, uh, then who is he concealed from? He's not concealed from the Goyim, he's concealed from the Jews. And that refers, obviously, to the Beit HaMikdash, right? That's who he's concealed from. So, what does it mean, that God saves the poor man from somebody who is stronger than him, Right? 
and the answer to that is that what what the the uh, that refers to is really is the klipa, is the satan and his minions. What they want is they want the uniqueo. You see, uh, really every Jew is rich. Why? Because he can determine which way the holiness, the kedusha, the divine energy goes. Uh, you see, so really. He, his capacity is enormous. But who are, who's stronger than the Jew? Right? Who's stronger? And the answer is the Satan. And what does the Satan want? What the Satan needs is he needs the strength, right? The Kedusha that he can take from the Shekhinah. You see? So therefore he's Chazak Mimenu. The Satan is much stronger than the Jew because he can tempt him and he can, he can attempt to take away the tremendous amount of Kiddushah, the holiness. That's called the Shefa, you see, that the Jew can bring down. And that's the Tikkun. But the Satan does not want the Tikkun. So what he does is he needs to take away the tremendous energy that the Jew can access, you see. And of course, therefore, he does that, of course, by getting the Jew to sin. You see, so when the Jew sins, what happens is, is the Satan is unique. He nourishes from the Jew. That's why he's stronger, because ultimately speaking, you see, he takes it away, right? And he's constantly being unique. To be unique means to nourish, to feed. He's always feeding from the Jew, because the Jew has access to this unbelievable holiness. That's what that Oni refers to, you see? The other, the Oni Evyoin, right? There are two of them. There's the Oni and there's the Evyoin, Migoizvoi, right? Who is the Oni and the Evyoin? Because you already know that the first Oni is the Jewish people, right? <clears throat> and he has to be saved from the Satan that takes away from the Kiddushah of the Jewish people. But the Oni and the Evyoin is the Mashiach bin Yosef, and the Mashiach bin David. You see. And Megoizloi means that what is interesting is that really they have, they should have, based on their nishama, based on their souls, uh, they should have unbelievable amount of Kiddushah in them. Because they have tremendous souls, nishamot. So the Oni, Sheikh bin Yosef, and the Evyoin, Sheikh ben David, God saves them also from Goizvoi, because the Satan wants to be unique from the Meshichan, you see. Because they can bring down, and they have already, unbelievable divine energy, you see. And the Satan needs the Messianic energy. That's the difference, you see. So the energy from Oni Mechazik Mimenu, Mechazak Mimenu, the God saves the Jew from the Satan. Why? Because the Satan does not want the Jew to do the Tikkun. So he's busy taking whatever Kiddushah the Jew can bring down to the earth. Uh, but the problem with the Oni and the Evyoin, the Mashiach ben Yosef and the Mashiach ben David, right? Uh, what they bring down with their Kiddushah is the redemption itself. Now, he obviously does not want to allow that. So, what he does is he steals it. 
How? How did he steal it? Uh, because the amazing thing in many ways is that they have decided to sacrifice themselves in order to allow the Jews a kapara. <clears throat> That's why. So the one who robs the two Meshichan, you see, is really, it, it, it's what the Meshichan themselves have offered. And that's the whole concept that, when I, I think I once told you the Midrash, it's a Yalkut Shemoni, where God once approached, it says in the beginning of creation, he approached the Mashiach ben Yosef, and he said to him that in the future your children, right, your, your nation will be destroyed. <clears throat> yeah, clear. Why? Because they somehow don't have enough, there's not enough time for the Jews to do the tikkun, or for the Jews to actually um, uh, have a kapara. There's not enough time. Because from God's standpoint, he obviously sees and knows. Uh, the Jews have done tremendous amount of sins. And there's not enough time for the Jews to atone for that. So that's why they are high of Misa. Now obviously it doesn't mean all the Jews, but it means a goodly portion of Jews cannot make it. So what the Mashiach ben Yosef and the Mashiach ben David have done is they have offered themselves, they have offered the Kiddushah that comes from them, you see, to be taken to the Satan. And that, and therefore they suffer as a result. And their suffering, since all Jews are connected at a mystical level, so when the Mashiachan suffer, then all Jews get a kapara. They get an atonement. You see, <clears throat> so this is what happens. So in the end, this is what's going on, that the Mashiach ben Yosef, he is in the klipa, and his suffering is terrible, you see. In many ways, if you want to get some type of a feel of that, okay, it's when uh, Yosef HaTzadik was in Egypt. Could you imagine a man of that type of soul in the worst possible situation in Egypt. It's incredible, you know. And believe me, jails in those days were not like they are today. You know, jail today, you know, you get TV, right? You get movies, you get, uh, you know, decent food, you know. You can even have your wife visit you. It's amazing what goes on in jail, you know. <clears throat> in those days, a jail in Egypt was incredible. It was a pit in the ground. You know, it wasn't like a house or anything like that. And, they, they, and it was an underground cavern, so to speak. And prisoners used to be locked up. Could you imagine being locked up, right, for, so, for 13, for, for years and years? Could you imagine the depression and the suffering? It was the worst possible experience in a civilization. And that's what Yosef had. Yosef was locked up for many years. You know, first he was by Fatifa's wife. When he was 17, he was kidnapped. And he was 30 when he stood in front of Parai. 13 years, you see. <clears throat> and for a certain amount of years, he had it okay. Until the incident of the wife of Fatifar. And then he was sent to jail, you see. So could you imagine being in that situation? So he, in many ways, is a model for the tremendous suffering of the Mashiach, Ben Yosef. You see. Uh, now the Mashiach ben David also suffers. Who is the forerunner of Mashiach ben David? 
David HaMelech, right? King David. But we know that David HaMelech had a very difficult life. His son Absalom rebelled against him. He always had tremendous amount of mutinies and rebellions. He was always at war. In fact, the fact that he was always at war, because he had so many enemies, that is what made it un- him un- unable to build the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, because that's what God said. Since you were at war with so many people, even though it's not your fault, but since you had to shed so much blood, uh, the Beit HaMikdash can only be built by somebody who represents peace, you know, and so on. So David HaMelech had a tremendous amount of enemies. Like I said, even his son rebelled against him, which was tragic, and so on, you see. So David HaMelech, who represents Mashiach ben David, why, why did this happen? Why did he have to go through such terrible, uh, you know, uh, pain and suffering, either as a, as a father, as a king, and so on? He had so many people who betrayed him. You see, uh, what, uh, what's his name? Yoiv ben Tzeruya, and so on. <clears throat> and the answer is, because he's the Mashiach ben David. And that's part of it, you see. So even though he's not imprisoned, he's a king, but he's not going to get away without the suffering. And therefore, as a result of that, he also suffered terribly. <clears throat> and the truth is that these souls of both Mashiach ben David and the Mashiach ben David, uh, ben Yosef, they still suffer. In fact, and the one who suffered greatly, even though it doesn't look that way, is Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is really the Mashiach ben Yosef, almost, anyway. And he suffered because he was exiled, you know. Obviously, he was an incredible person. So could you imagine a tzaddik like him in exile? He hadn't seen a Jew. He was exiled when he was 26, and he came back when he was 80. That's 54 years. Could you imagine what it is to go to a country and never see a Jew? N- not, not involve yourself in anything holy for 54 years. That's a lifetime. You see, so the question is why? And the answer is because he was part of that Yisurin, the tremendous suffering of the Mashiach bin Yosef. You see, and what you're saying is really very interesting. Right? What is Ashpois? Ashpois is the garbage. Right? From the garbage, Yorim Evyoin, he will lift the Evyoin. You see, what does that mean? Who's the Evyoin? The Evyoin is Mashiach ben Yosef, especially Mashiach ben David. But it refers to Mashiach ben Yosef. So if you ask yourself, where is this man? He's in the garbage. Exactly. That's where he is. Why is he in the garbage? A man of that, imagine a man of that stature who will be greater than Abraham Avinu, greater than Moshe Rabbeinu, greater than the angels. Could you imagine that he's in the, what's called the garbage? Could you imagine that? And, I, and I, I remember, he's not a garbage collector. He is in the garbage. Right? That's what it says. Me'ashpois, from the garbage. Not because he's a collector. He's not a garbage man. What he is, is in the garbage. What does that mean? We have no idea of what this man has suffered through. Literally. You see. In fact, the Mashiach ben Yosef is in the Zoyamor. 
That's really what the garbage is. For whatever reason, God sends them into the Zoyama itself, into the worst aspect of Tum'ah, that he is now involved in a life of Tum'ah. And nobody knows this. He knows it. But nobody else knows it. In fact, which is interesting, you could begin to understand something. Imagine you take a man, right? Like the Chafetz Chaim, or let's say somebody, you're all familiar with the Chafetz Chaim, right? Yes. Yeah, of course, right? The Chafetz Chaim was an unbelievable tzaddik. Unbelievable tzaddik, right? So, could you imagine taking the Chafetz Chaim, right? And all of a sudden, giving him terrible problems, right? And, and you put him in a family, right? That is not religious, right? And put him in a family that is involved in all kinds of sexual perversions, indulgences, terrible immorality, right? And he's forced to live in this family, right? What would you say that this guy is going to do? Now, that's one side. But imagine that his holiness, his unbelievable desire to unite with God, imagine if that remains intact. Right? So, take a look. Here's a guy, right, who has this incredible holiness, right? That's number one. And he knows, and he feels this unbelievable drive to be with God, right? And meanwhile, he lives with a family, which is his own family, actually, uh, that is unbelievably morally debased. How does he handle this? Could you imagine a guy like this? You see? I mean, take any... Uh, you know, who in your mind are tremendous tzaddikim? More than gedolim, but tzaddikim. Righteous and pure in the Syrian or Sephardic world. Do you have a figure like that? Do you know somebody like that? Right? Okay. Let me give you a figure. Ben Ishchai. You heard of the Ben Ishchai? He, he's one of the greatest of the, although he's an Iraqi, right? He's one of the Gedolim of Svad. The man was incredible. The Benishchai, right? Imagine taking a man like that, right? Instead of being the son of the rabbi of Iraq, which I think he was, instead he's born into a family that is Jewish but has nothing to do with Judaism, is, and they are immoral, uh, right? There's sexual perversion in the house. There's immorality, right? They have nothing to do, right? Could you imagine uh, uh, him living in that type of a house? But at the same time, he has the pull of spirituality, right, of the, uh, of the uh, Ben Ishchai. What do you think would happen to this man? I'll tell you what. Uh, he would be a basket case. Because he would be torn apart by his conflicting drives. That's what would happen. He'd be what's called, uh, he, he would have unbelievable psychiatric problems. Why? Because he would be torn apart by two opposing forces. You see? That is the situation of the Mashiach bin Yosef. Not so much Mashiach bin David, 
although he has tremendous amount of problems, which is true, but he's able to achieve, right, or actualize a tremendous spiritual, uh, what do you call it, uh, direction. His problems are different, like Dovid HaMelech. You know, <clears throat> Dovid HaMelech didn't suffer spiritually. He was unbelievable. But he did suffer as a king. He had an enormous amount of enemies. How do we know? You should take a look at Tilim. Every other Tilim is why Tehila is about what? That God rescued me. Why did God abandon me? You know? What kind of man talks like that? It can only be a man that has been completely surrounded by unbelievable tzarot. So that's his problem. But those tzarot are external because he is able to manifest himself as a tremendous spiritual person, you see. But then take a guy, right, who's not that, Sheikh bin Yosef. His struggle is very different. His struggle is unbelievably internal, you see. He is unbelievably subject to conflicting drives, uh, you see. Now, to make the story even worse, what do I mean by conflicting drives? One part of him wants to serve God. One part of him wants to be dovuk in God. Well, he loves God. He is incredibly drawn to spirituality. You see? But the interesting thing about Mashiach ben Yosef, and this is really what kills him, it's not that he lives in an environment of Tum'ah. He is drawn to Tum'ah. You see what I'm saying? He is driven. He has drives for, let's say, immorality or indulgences. He has drives for this. So could you imagine that a guy who's torn apart, where part of him is driven, drives, for tremendous amount of negativity, immorality. And he also has tremendous problems learning Torah. Because if he would be able to learn Torah, then he would be able to conquer those drives. But his Torah is very difficult to learn. And therefore, it's very difficult for him to remain stable in a spiritual way. What happens to a guy like this? He's torn apart. He's torn apart by drives that want to join the Yetzirah on one side. And he's torn apart by drives that wants to join the Eitzatayv. You see? Have you ever met a person like that? No. No. <clears throat> I mean, there are people that have conflicting drives. But not to that extent. Why? Because this is a kapara for the Jewish people. His struggle to remain with God as opposed to fall in Tum'ah, Zoyamo, you see, is a tremendous kapara, because what he's really doing, he's fighting to remain low, uh, uh, you know, on, on, on the surface. You see, it's like a guy stuck in the middle of the Pacific, and all he has is a life raft, because his ship, his ship capsized. Could you imagine? Every minute is a struggle to stay alive and not to drown or be eaten by sharks, right? Uh, that is the conflict of the Mashiach ben Yosef. And that's why, you see, and that's the secret 
of how Klai Yisrael survives, you see. And therefore, that is the concept of Mashiach ben Yosef in the Zoyamo, in the Ashpois. Listen, you know, it could have said, um, Ashpois, Yoram Evion, it could have said the, uh, the, uh, that the, uh, you know, think about that. Isn't that a double idea? It says, Ume Ashpois, and from the garbage, Yoram, he will raise Evyoin, the poor man. Isn't the fact that he's poor man enough of suffering? Why does he have to be in the garbage? Do you understand what I'm saying? You think about that? It doesn't make sense. He's already a tremendously poor man. That automatically is a tremendous amount of suffering. You know, a guy who cannot afford to live, he can't afford his rent, he can't afford to buy. You know what suffering that is? Right? Not only that, but then you take this poor man, right, and you put him in the garbage. You you hear the idea? That's a double whammy, as they say. You see? People don't understand that. You know, it's bad enough to be an Evyoin, which is a very poor man. And by the way, Evyoin is poorer than an Oni. You see, an Oni is a poor man, but he can afford food, you know. It just means that he can't live in really any kind of luxury. You know, he's got to live in a simple apartment. Let's say it's got three rooms, right? It's, it barely has any furniture, right? That's, not, that's an Oni. An Evyoin is worse. Why? What does it mean an Evyoin is worse? An Evian is a guy that dresses in rags and he sleeps in the street and he's got to go around from door to door begging for tzedakah, tzedakah. Do you understand the difference between an onion and an Evian? So, not only is Mashiach ben Yosef an Evian, right? Where he dresses in rags and he's got to go around, right? Begging for people to give him money. Right? And, he, and he sleeps in the street because he doesn't have, he doesn't have rent for a home, right? right? But besides that, what God does is he puts him in the ashpo. You see? It's very hard for us to understand who this man is and what he has gone through. And the reason why he's gone through this is to save the Jewish people. You see? That's what that pasuk means. Now, what that Pasuk illustrates is a very fundamental idea that only God can pull off. What is that idea? There's a Pasuk in Eov, in Job, as they call him, in Eov, right? Eov says a very interesting statement. It's a Pasuk. It says, Umiyitain toho mitomei. Who can take out toho, a pure soul, Mitome from Tumor. Only God. Who is he referring to? You see. In other words, he's saying that, you know, the Mashiach doesn't come from Tahara. He doesn't come from, let's say, a father who's the God Lador. You know? He doesn't come from a father who's the greatest man in his generation. Right? His father is not Ovadi Yosef. He doesn't come from that. You see, he comes from somebody, like I said, it's, it, it's, a, it's a family that has nothing, to do, hardly anything to do with Judaism, and he himself internally is driven in two different directions. You see, um yitain tome. 
who is the only one that can take out a being that is incredibly pure from tumor, from a situation which is unbelievably contaminated and polluted to Zermo. That pasuk refers to the Mashiach ben Yosef. Oh, you see, it also refers to the Jewish people. Think about it. What is the Galut? You think about America. America is, has become an incredibly amoral country. Tremendous amount of immorality, sexual perversions, unbelievable amount of indulgences and luxuries and, and everything else. Think about that. And a, a tremendous pursuit of materialism, almost nothing to do with spirituality. That's Tomei. Even though it's not ritually impure, when I talk about Tumor Minatera, but it is defiled, obviously. It is so far from spirituality. Yet, they, God can take them out of the Tumor, right? And they will be Taharo, which is amazing. You see, and isn't that exactly what God did to the Jews in Egypt? The Jews were Memteshari Tumor, 49 levels of contamination, defilement. Now, it's hard to understand what that means because nobody really says all the different levels from 1 to 49, right? But we can begin to have some type of inkling about what 49 is. It's not just Avoidizara, you see. It's all kinds of drives, you see, that the Jews have. You know, and probably thoughts about what, what the values are. In fact, the only thing the Jews kept, as the Torah says, or the Gemara, Chazal, is they kept their language, right? They kept their names, and they kept their clothing. And that was it. Everything else was Egyptian. And Egypt was known as the seat of Tum'ah. It was a tremendously amoral country. You see, that's what Egypt was. And the amazing thing is that they, were, they had achieved being in that country for so many hundreds of years, right? They had actually achieved, right, the lowest level of Tum'ah. So you would have said to yourself, it's impossible for God to take them out of this situation. You know, maybe if they were living at 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, okay, but how in the world do you take out somebody that's at level 49? Uh, in fact, there's a level 50 of Tumah. Now we know they never descended. That's only because God saved them. Or else I guarantee you, they would have gone straight into Tumah of 50. Now we don't even know what that means. You know, we don't even realize what that means and so on. So the question is, how do you take them out? And the answer is, God did. And that's what Eov says. So it's a very important secret. That you are looking at the Mashiachan that do not come. Only Mashiach ben David can come from that type of Yichus. Because the father of David HaMelech was Yishai. And Yishai, believe it or not, was one of the four people that never committed a sin in his life. And there are only four people that have that title. You know, that's it. So it's absolutely incredible, right? Who is those four? 
Amram was one. Amram, Moshe Rabbeinu's father, never committed a sin his entire life. It's very difficult to understand how that's possible, right? So Yishai is one, right? And then the, the second one, if I remember, is Binyamin. Binyamin, the, the son of Yaakov. The third one is uh, Yishai, or the father of David. Oh, did I say Yishai was the first? Amram was the first. Right. Binyamin was the first. Amram was the second, the father of Moshe. The third one was Yishai, the father of David. And the fourth was Kalev, who was the son of David. Yeah. Uh, so could you imagine? You know? So David was born from Yishai. You know? Yishai was the father of David, as it says in Rus. So David comes from Malchus. And he comes from a, an inc- uh, Yisha was the God Lador. He was the greatest man in the generation. You see? But that's Mashiach bin David. Mashiach bin Yosef does not come from that. You see? He comes from stock that you would never believe could be a Mashiach. You see? And we see that. You see? We see that, for instance, by Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was the son of a ger, of, an, uh, of a, uh, a, of a uh, convert. You see? He was a son of a convert, which when you think about it, is incredible. You know? Uh, who, and not only that, for the first 40 years of his life, the Gemara says he hated the Chachomim. In fact, he himself says that, you know, when he was in the, in the first 40 years of his life, it was a com- complete amoritz. He said he would bite a rabbi, one of the rabbis, like the bite of a mule. That's how much he hated them, you see. Uh, and Rabbi Akiva was a shurish of Mashiach bin Yosef. But I want to tell you something. Not every Mashiach bin Yosef or shurish root of the Mashiach bin Yosef is in that situation. The one who's in the situation of Mashiach ben Yosef, which is Me'ashboys, from the garbage, is the last guy who is the real Mashiach, not a Shorosh. It's not somebody who could be Mashiach ben Yosef if the generation was worthy. It is the guy who is the Mashiach ben Yosef. You see, <clears throat> he's the Ashbo. So that's what's so amazing. You know, people think, well, you know, who is the Mashiach, right? He's got to come from an unbelievable, either a Hasidic Rebbe, right? Or a Rosh Hashiva, right? Or, uh, you know, somebody on the Moetzes, Gedoy Terra, or the, uh, what, what do you call that, the, uh, the, the Syrian Chacham uh, Chochma, uh, whatever they call that. Anyway, yeah, he's got to come from that, right? Or he's got to be a descendant, a son of one of the people of these. And the answer is, no way. He's got to be a person fundamentally that is A, unknown, B, has no yichus, C, has unbelievable difficulties staying religious. Even though he has incredible drives for Ruchnius, but he also has incredible drives for Gashmius, you see, that guy is going to be Mashiach Ben Yosef. Let's see. <clears throat> uh, 
And that's what the Ashpais Yoram Evyoin, that's what it means. Not only is he an Evyoin, you see, which is a, a beggar. He's not a poor man, he's a beggar. A beggar is worse than a poor man, you see. But he, not only that, but he's also, you see, a, he also lives in the garbage. You see, that's what that Pasuk really means. It's a secret of what is supposed to happen. Okay? <clears throat> that's what you're, you're, the, the Pasuk that you're bringing down reveals that. Although most people don't realize that. Now, I wanted to mention something which is interesting. Uh, one, I, I heard that Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky said, who I'm sure you heard of, that the uh, Mashiach is alive today. Which means that he's, alive, he's born and he's alive. And what he is hoping is that he will come in our generation. So that's a very interesting concept. Uh, the second interesting idea which I heard, uh, have you heard of a person whose name is Shalom Arush? Have you heard of this person? No. Yes, I have. I, uh, he's great. Is that yes or no? Yes, yes. Hello? Some people yes, some people no. Anybody out there? Do you hear us? Rabbi? We hear you. Yes, Arush, the garden of Eden. Garden of Emunah. Hello? Yes, Rabbi, you hear us? We lost him. Don't, don't hang up, guys. He'll call back in. Okay. Why? It's not the first time. It was like it was raining when I came. It was over Uh, they took one god out of thing. Oh, they just took it out? Are you calling that? I'll call him on his cell now. One god, it's just one. Okay. Indivisible, they skipped one god. No. This is the door of Haflaga, one of the wage war against There he is. Rabbi? Rabbi? Hey, Rabbi. So wait, you, you were in the middle of telling us about Rabbi Shalom Arush, and then you got cut off. Back. No, no, everyone heard you until you asked us about Rabbi Shalom Arush. So just call back in. Some of them heard. Yes, everyone's still waiting for you. Okay. It's like, did you hear my share? He thought we all didn't hear anything he, told, he spoke about. Yeah, he has He goes, oh, good, you heard up till that? <laughs> No, and Hazi, he was on the phone from E15. He's like, 
I was sitting and waiting. Someone was coming. He thought something happened. He's like, anyone? Hello? Hello? I'm so stupid. Grandpa, are you there? No, he's not there. You have to hear the, the thumb. bothered me very much when they got out of I didn't know the they thing. did that. When did they do that? The night? This was with yeah. the Democrats. And the Republicans they got up and they go, Indivisible with liberty and no more. They don't want God in us. Hello? Everybody hear me? We hear you. Can you okay, great. Yeah. So my question was, did anybody hear from uh, Rav Shalom Arush? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, he has a video out, which is interesting. So he's quite uh, popular. He's well-known, obviously. He has a tremendous following. But he has a video out, which um, uh, I heard, and so on. Uh, this is what he says. He says that I am certain, and I'm, re- I'm now repeating what he says, I am certain that this Rosh Hashanah will be the last Rosh Hashanah without Mashiach. And that Mashiach will come next year. Wow. He says that. And there will be tremendous joy and peace. This is what he's saying. He, and he says also, I usually do not speak, I never spoke about Mashiach, but I am telling you now that we are watching or he's going to come this year. That means this is the last Rosh Hashanah without the Mashiach. Wow. That's what he said, and I heard the video. Okay? Um, well, which is uh, really, when you think about it, it's, really, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. You know? That's what he feels. Uh, and he said, I am certain that this is going to happen. And he even said, it is possible, so here he uses the word possible, that the Mashiach will be revealed in Rosh Hashanah. So I'm, I'm now quoting somebody, you know, who said something which uh, obviously is, is the tremendous, you know, uh, whether he's right or wrong. But it's interesting that he feels certain that this know. Rosh Hashanah, what? What did you say? I said, how, how are we going to know if we don't have um, internet, phones on, everything's off on the <coughs> How do we so find far. out? Well, you know, first of all, uh, you know, I, 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 let me tell you something. I, I disagree with him, not that he won't come, but if anything happens this Rosh Hashanah, which the Gezerah, in other words, the Galut, the decree of the Galut, the exile, will happen, whether it continues or not, will happen on Rosh Hashanah, because everything does. So... It, uh, what he seems to feel is that the exile, the decree of exile, which is the darkness, that's really what it is, will end on um, next year, uh, which means that the decree to end the darkness ends on Rosh Hashanah. And that's the decree. Or it, even if it continues, I should say, the decree is that it must end next year. Tovshin Pe Aleph. Okay? But what it really means is the Pekidah. 
Because the Mashiach himself has to grow. We see that by Moshe Rabbeinu. <clears throat> Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, basically, when he saw when he was at the Sine, the burning bush, <clears throat> he wasn't what he was after Mat Torah. He had to grow, <clears throat> you see. So he also had to grow and become who he was, <clears throat> which obviously happened. So that's the Pekidah, where it says, and God heard the cries of the Jews, and God knew. Knowing is the Pekidah, and that is when the Sfira of Yesoid connects with Malchut, with uh, uh, kingship, you see. And that means that that is the beginning of the, the descent of the Divine Presence, of the Shrinah. So, the two phases, one is where Mashiach ben Yosef is released from the Ashpah. That's the Pasuk that's been quoted. He's released from the Ashpah and he begins to climb. You see, obviously, if the Mashiach is in the Ashpah as an Evyoin, which is two strikes against him, right? Then obviously, when he appears, it cannot appear as what everybody thinks he will be, which is a man in unbelievable glory. He's a man that's going to come out of the Ashpah, you see. May Ashpah is Yorim. God will lift him from the Ashpah. What that means is that God will end the Gezerah of his Klippa. He will end the decree that he must suffer to save the Jews. So all of a sudden, it's like a prisoner with a door opens and he can walk out free. But remember, He's a prisoner. <clears throat> you know where you see this? You see it by Yosef. When Pare had the dream, and then the, uh, whatever, the, the uh, Sar said to the Pare that, well, there was a guy in prison who interpreted my dreams, and the uh, Sar Oifam, the baker, and so on, he was the wine guy. And it came true. <clears throat> so Pare called him. Now, does it say that he went from prison to Pare? No. It says what? that he went out and they shaved him, they changed his clothing, right? You can't, stand of a, you can't stand in front of a king filthy from the Ashpah, obviously. So that Pasuk, where it says, you know, that they and they took him out of the pit, that's the Pasuk by Yosef, they took him out of the pit, right? They shaved him, and so on, they changed his clothing, he probably took a bath and all that stuff, right? And then he stood in front of Paroi. That is the Pekido. And that takes time, you see. And the same idea, that is a remez to the uh, Mashiach ben Yosef, the intermediary period from him being in the Ashpah, and when he arises out of the Ashpah and stands before the king himself, which is Paroi. You see, that's, that's the inter, intermediary time, you see. So that's a very important idea, you see. First there's a release, and then there's an intermediary period where he has to be removed from the Ashpah, you see. And he has to be removed from his enormous poverty so he can stand in front of the Rabbani Shalom and begin the rehabilitation of the Jewish people. And that, by the way, will happen simultaneously. 
just like he is released and he will stand in front of Paroi, the king, who obviously is God, uh, the same thing with the Jewish people. There will happen something that they will be released, something will happen, and therefore that will, begi- that will begin, that will be the beginning of the journey, you see, where they will emerge from the Tum'ah, uh, and uh, the, and then uh, after a certain amount of time, you see, then he will be the, they will be he and they will be released, and that begins the messianic era with David Hamelach. But this entire intermediary time is the Mashiach Ben Yosef, who has to take time to change. You don't go from the Ashba to a king, you know, to the full glory of all that kiddushah overnight takes time you see <clears throat> but in any case so uh, that, that that's what he says uh, Rav Shalom Arush that he feels uh, I feel personally that he's correct uh, that this Rosh Hashanah will be a year which will be different than all other Rosh Hashanahs because uh, my belief is that that will happen the Pekido will happen which is the release and that is the critical thing once that happens, then there is no turning back because the decree of the Pekida is irreversible and unstoppable. Why? Because it's Pe'itoi, <clears throat> you see. In Moshe Rabbeinu's time, it required merits. So the Jews got out uh, because they had a, a certain amount of merits. As it says, they didn't talk Lashon Hara. There's a, a lot of Chazals that talk about what were the merits of the Jews in Egypt, you see. But the redemption today is not, is, has merits in the sense that the suffering of the Jews has brought the Tikkun. And also, obviously, a lot of the mitzvahs, and the Lima Torah, and so on, you know. But the important thing to remember is that it's Be'itoi. This is the end. This is the end of time where God said, He swore, to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, that there will come a time when it is guaranteed that they will be redeemed. You see? So what that means is that what the Rabbanu Shalom does is he makes sure that they will, he will accelerate the process of redemption. And that, by the way, is one of the reasons why for the last couple of years, decades, whatever, things are very hard for the Jewish people. Whether it be sicknesses or loss of business, and what the COVID-19 has done, it has enormously uh, intensified the end. You see, it's like uh, what's happened when Moshe Rabbeinu came to Egypt and Paris said that they're lazy and he made each Jew gather straw. Instead of being given the straw and building bricks, they now had to go out to the entire Egypt to gather straw. So why did it become, why did the suffering become so intense because they still hadn't completed the job of Tikkun. You see, in many ways, it's the same idea. You see, and that's why, if you'll notice, that the COVID is affecting Eretz Yisrael terribly. That whole place is being subjected over and over again to COVID-19. The poverty. There's, I think, eight or 900,000 people that have no parnosa. It's an incredible time of stress. Right? 
and the same thing with the Jews in America, and so on. And the reason for that is that is the equivalent <clears throat> that God wants to end the story. So what he has done is as he has enormously intensified suffering, you see. And in that way, he therefore has enabled, you see, the, the, the gula, the redemption itself. So that's what really COVID does. COVID enormously intensifies poverty, death, sickness. Not only that, how many people, they went to the hospital and they died alone because they wouldn't let anybody in. You know, you talk about a gullus, an exile, being alone, you know. I mean, there's so many families that have suffered. <clears throat> Either they or they have a loved one that suffered or a loved one that died, you see. Or there's no work, there's no job, there's no money. You know what I'm saying? There's no position, there's no status. It's unbelievable. It's like a complete overturning of civilization. And the main reason for COVID is not the Goyim, although it does have a purpose for them. But the main idea is that this is for the Jewish people. To bring them to a state or a situation where they will be worthy of the Geula. You see? That's why you really have COVID. So in that sense, it's true that next year is probably the year. You know? Um, and so on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with the Chaim Kanievsky who says that the Mashiach is alive. So obviously, the one who will be crowned the Mashiach is alive which is uh, obviously a tremendous thing. And what he called, and uh, Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky has Ruach HaKodesh, which has been demonstrated so many different times, you know. So when he says something, uh, then you're looking at a whole different uh, level of credibility, you know, uh, and, and so on, you know. But that's really what you're looking at. So you've got to get ready. Because it's, it, we are coming down, as they say, we're almost down to the wire. <clears throat> and, and that, by the way, is really also why uh, there is such an incredible conflict in America between Biden and Trump. Because Trump is the Toyf Shebe'esov, the good part. Biden, Harris, and all the Democrats are the evil of Esov. And there's an incredible war going on, just like in Egypt, where the Satan is trying to stop the redemption, you see. And he's trying to stop the Toyshabes of Trump from allowing Jews, you know, to reclaim the whole of Eretz Israel and, and, and so on. And also uh, the whole concept of Yishmuel, the Arabs doing tshuva, which they are slowly doing. Uh, and that's the whole concept of the uh, UAE, the United Arab Emirates, and so on. That is the beginning of their repentance, and so on. But the Satan is trying to destroy that, you see. And uh, Biden and so on, these people represent uh, the attempt to restore the evil of Esau, you see. But in any case, that's why what you're looking at in America never happened before you are looking at a totally divided America. There are people for Biden, 
Antifa and so on, and there are people for Trump, you see. The whole country is split. Hopefully it's not split down the middle and that there will be a landslide election for Trump and Biden and the Democratic Party will be decimated. But the struggle, the fight, the conflict, we've never seen like this. Whoever saw America so divided, you see. But in any case, uh, this is what uh, these people have said. And, uh, you know, I, I believe the same thing is about to happen. So when you brought that gematria, right? What was the gematria? Yes, yeah, they said it's 5781. Yeah, you mean 5,000, yes, yeah. I believe that, uh, yeah, it's very possible that's true. Because the reason is because that pasuk refers to the Mashiach bin Yosef. As I've explained. That refers to him. You see? So I've explained to you that pasuk. I've explained to you the situation that Mashiach ben Yosef finds himself, uh, which is not really known by most people. And the whole concept of, you know, what seems to be happening and what is about to happen. And that the Mashiach will not come from a family that is one of the glorious families of the Jewish people. He will come from a family or whatever uh, that nobody would ever expect him to be Mashiach. Just like, uh, if you think about it, just like uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. And well, just like Rabbi Akiva. Would anybody expect this guy, who was, a comp- was an ignoramus, an Amor Oretz, at 40, that he would be a Shurish of Mashiach ben Yosef, and that he would be the one who would transmit the oral law? Without him, we wouldn't have the oral law. We would not have the Torah Shabbat Peh. Because he transmitted it to five of the greatest Tamidim. You know? Nobody would. If you met Rabbi Akiva when he was 39, right? You'd say, ah, wow. This guy's an Amoritz. He doesn't know anything. And somebody told you, by the way, he's the guy that could be Mashiach ben Yosef, and he's the guy that's going to restore the whole Torah. You would say it's impossible he has no yichus, even, as a, even if his father is a ger, is a, is a convert. And he's a nobody. You see? So Rabbi Akiva is the classic model of somebody that you would never think is a Mashiach when you're safe. You know? You know? It's funny, I once had an argument with somebody. I once spoke in, the, in a Chabad place. In a, in a, I gave a Shabbaton in a Chabad house. So the people, the person there was the Rav and so on. He's a Chabad guy. So at that point, this is a long time ago. Uh, so uh, he was still alive, the Lubavitcher uh, Rebbe. So he kept saying, yeah, Lubavitcher Rebbe. So I said, no. I said, Lubavitcher Rebbe cannot be Mashiach because everybody expects him to be Mashiach. And the Mashiach is not a person that people expect. You see? And that we see from Yosef. In fact... The biggest proof, if you think about it, when the brothers of Yosef came to him, right? And they stood in front of him when they went to Egypt. And he stood in front of them. They didn't know he was Yosef. You see? They had no idea. For whatever reason. Right? They, were, they did not know who this man was. As far as they were concerned, 
He was the viceroy of Egypt. And interestingly, when Yosef wanted to reveal himself, what did he say? I'm Yosef. I am Yosef. Do you believe that? If they would have recognized who he was, why would he have to identify himself? And the answer is because nobody knew, they did not know who he was, and he had to identify himself. Same idea. Whoever is the Mashiach ben Yosef, nobody would even suspect. And then he's going to say, Ani Yosef. And everybody's going to be stunned because nobody would expect it. Same concept of Yosef HaTzadik. You see? All of these are forerunners and hints at what's going to happen in the Messianic era. It's interesting when you, when you look at this, you know, the story behind the story, so to speak, you see? You know? Rabbi, I have a question. Okay, good. I was just going to ask. Anybody have questions? Yeah, I have two questions. One. Yes. So, this year, if it's the picky job, it doesn't yes. announce himself. Is that correct? What's the question? It doesn't mean that Mashiach Ben Yosef is going to announce himself or we're going to know that he's there. Like, he announced himself or he said it takes time for him to grow. He will not announce himself, exactly. He will not? No. Because he has to change. You know, imagine if, you know, imagine if, you know, he's coming from the Ashbo, right? Ashboys, right? right? Ashpo is, is plural, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he's not only in one garbage, he's in many garbages. Could you believe that? So what he does is he goes from garbage to garbage. That pasik is accurate, you see? So imagine if somebody comes out of the garbage and he announces, by the way, I happen to be the Messiah. What would you say? You'd laugh at him. Of course. Not only that, you'd refer him to a psychiatrist. So then how can a person come out of the garbage and declare himself to be Mashiach? Can't. You see? What has to happen is he doesn't declare. He has to grow and change. Just like the Pasuk, you know, and they took him out of the pit. You see? He has to change, and that'll take time. But the good thing about it is once he leaves the pit, so to speak, then it's irreversible and it's unstoppable. That's the great thing. And as he changes, then people will begin to become aware of this person. You see? Because they're going to begin to see there's something with this person. And as he grows, the belief in who he is will grow. And the key idea in Mashiach ben Yosef is the Cholashah also and everything he did, Hitzliach Hashem biyodoi. God will make successful. That's what he has. He must succeed in everything he does. He cannot fail. Failure is an impossibility. And therefore, whatever he does, and people will see, hey, this guy is incredible. Whatever he does, happens. If he wants to open a yeshiva, all of a sudden, he has tens of millions of dollars. Right? If he wants to build a shul, all of a sudden, he builds a shul. Uh, that's the Hatzlacha of Mashiach ben Yosef, because that was the Hatzlacha of Yosef in Egypt, you see? Therefore, what will happen 
this time, hopefully, is that he will be released. That's the key. That's what we're all waiting for, is his release and, at the same time, the release of the Jewish people, which is the beginning of the end of the Galut. You so, said you had a second question? Yeah, so, okay, so you say it's going to take time. Yes. Is, like, what, what are we talking about, time? Years? But, like, what are we talking about? Well, that's a good question. It's, really, we, it's hard to know how much time is in between, you know. But, it, look, it, it's not so much the time, it's the task. He has a certain task to perform, you see. He has to, bring, he has to begin bringing down a tremendous amount of the messianic light. You know, that's a task. And then he also has to begin rehabilitating the Jews. That's a task. All of this takes time. So it's not so much time, you know, in terms of him. It's a task that he has to perform, you know. So, you know, I don't think it'll be long. I don't think God wants the world, because the world is really headed for, you know, really a terrible uh, downward spiral. But I think it may take a little while, you know, but the main idea to focus on is that it's happening, even if it does take time. What's a little while? Boy, see, you really want to get me down to an exact yeah. time, huh? Do you have, do you have a, a, this, this, uh, you know, ballpark? An educated guess. That's an interesting term. Uh, I would say that he may be revealed in his full glory which is unbelievable. And that is the Messianic era. Because when he is completely revealed, then you have the Mashiach bin David. And that's what begins the incredible time, you know. It may take a couple of years, three years. But by the time he's in his full glory, the Betamikdash is already there and we're already in Israel. Yes, correct. That's the, the, the Gemara, it's a Yerushalmi. Uh, in Maishashani. What? We're talking about, like, you know, before, earlier, you know. When are we going to know that he's Mashiach? That's when we're asking. Well, I, I, one, one thing is clear, you know. Like I say, uh, probably, you know, probably a, 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 let's say a year into it, maybe two years maximum. But when he starts building that Beit HaMikdash, he will be successful, you see. And, uh, and then uh, immediately, because that third Beit HaMikdash is going to come down in fire, you see? And it's going to be standing before Ben David comes, because right. that's what the Gemara says. And as a result of that, obviously, you know, when that Beit HaMikdash comes down in fire, I mean, immediately, everybody knows who this guy is. So it's going to take time, because remember, it's not only that, uh, that the Mashiach Ben Yosef is in the Ashpah, the Jewish people are in the Ashpur. Think about that. And I, I don't mean, you know, houses and all that. Think about that. The Jewish people are despised by so many people in the world. They are looked down on. They are hated. They are despised. You see? So they are in the Ashpur as well as the Mashiach himself. That's why they both have to rise. You so see? when God willing starts to rise, Rosh Hashanah, the Jews as a nation will start to rise as well? Correct. 
Yes. So because the Pekida, the Pekida uh, basically is a Kabbalistic event. It's when Yesoid, which is the ninth Sfira, joins with Malchut, which is the tenth. What does that mean? Because right now Yesoid, which is the ninth Sfira, is blocked. It's all which it receives from the top Sfira, which is Keter, right, comes down to all the nine and stops in Yesoid, which is uh, foundation. It stops. It's blocked. You see? But the energy of the upper nine is unbelievable. That is the Messianic era. So when, when I say that the Yesoid will join with Malchut, what it really means is that the ore of Yesoid will be unblocked, and it will finally enter Ulam Hazer, you see? And that is the beginning of the Messianic era. So because we will, we will, we will yeah. Like come Rosh Hashanah, God willing, and the Tikkida happens. What will change for us? Well, what will change for everybody is an interesting pasuk. It says, on that day, there will be a tremendous hunger in the land. It will not be a hunger for bread or for drink, water. But it will be a hunger to search for the Word of God. That's what's going to change. Initially, there's going to be a tremendous rise in consciousness of the Jewish people. Now, we don't know exactly how, but it is, that, that is one of the beginnings of the miracle of the Messianic era. Because what's going to happen is in each Jewish neshama, remember, God dwells in the soul inside every Jewish person. And what's going to happen is that all of a sudden there's going to be a tremendous interest in spirituality. An interest. And people are going to want to explore spirituality. You see? And that's how the Mashiach Ben Yosef is going to rehabilitate everybody. Because all of a sudden people are going to want to know more about spirituality. Now, we don't know how that's going to happen, but that is a pasuk in the Navi. You see? That's how it's going to happen. So when that happens, you will know. Because that desire to know God will be very intense. Very intense. And you'll know that this is it. You see? That's the change that will happen. Uh, certainly initially. Rabbi, did you hear what happened last week in the Democratic Convention? That the Pledge of Allegiance, they said it and they removed one God. In the you mean under God, under God. Under God. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. Isn't well, you know why. Yeah. They were waging war against Hashem. Well, you have to remember, communism, socialism, what are they really into? They're not into mankind or bettering people. They're into power. So the last thing they want is for you to worship God and make Him powerful. They want the power. They want the control, you see. Therefore, they must remove God. That is the sign that there's going to be an incredible anti-religious movement, anti-God tremendous anti-Semitism. The danger of Biden 
and his, uh, his cronies is not only that they'll destroy the economy, but they will create an enormous ruachs, a spirit of anti-Semitism and anti-religion. And that the reason for that is because they want power. That's what Antifa wants. That's what all these communists want. That's why every communist regime has always been totalitarian, whether it be Russia, Cuba, China, North Korea. They want power. Therefore, they don't want religion because religion offers another power source called God, you see? So that's a giveaway. The fact that they left out the word under God is a giveaway of what's coming if they win, which they won't. So um, once the Pekida happens, anti-Semitism will diminish? Say that again. Once the Pekida happens, what? Once the Pekida happens, what happens to anti-Semitism? Because we're growing now as a nation spiritually. That means Hashem's with us more. So we have more protection, I'm assuming, and, you know. Well, what happens is very interesting, uh, is that their power diminishes. Remember, you, that, that the Yaakov and Esav, at least the Rashab Esav, right, they cannot exist, they, not, they cannot co-equal. When one is great, the other falls, and vice versa. So when the Mashiach is released, Automatically, it means that the Malach of the bad part of Esau and the rest of the world, right, is immediately subdued. That's what it means. So they can't, so in whatever way it manifests themselves, which we don't really know, the power and the might of Esau or the entire Europe, China, Russia will be subdued. You see? And God will destroy them all. We see that in the Navi. When God always talks about this, you know, that's what will happen. And like I say, the reason for that is that as long as we are down, then Esav is up. But when the Jews are up, then Esav is down. And in some way, there will be historical events, current events, that will tremendously subdue the nations of the world. Now, we don't know how, but in many ways it will be similar to Egypt. See, once Moshe Rabbeinu was, sub- was released from the Klippa, then that was the beginning of the end of Egypt, which Moshe de- demonstrated by the snake, the Mate, that the staff of God became a snake, and then he took it back and the snake became a staff. That meant that the power, you know, the elevation of the Goyim in Egypt, that meant the end of Egypt. And it was. So, that's what's going to happen. Current events is going to change drastically. Well, obviously that means no anti-Semitism. That's the end of anti-Semitism. On the contrary, people are going to begin realizing, boy, have we made a mistake, that the Jews are the zenith of the entire creation, you see. And as he grows and the Jews grow, they will diminish in power and might. Because that's what has to happen. So as because the Mashiach grows this year, what, what was that? As the Mashiach and Yosef, God willing, 
he gets the pikida and he starts to grow this year. What should we do during this year? Like, are we both, as a nation and as a Mashiach, we're both on the same path of growth. So as a nation, what should we be doing? Well, once he comes, I mean, we're talking about before he comes or once he comes. Before he comes. Once he's released, then it will become obvious that your consciousness will rise. Ah. And all of a sudden, your life will no longer turn around, you know, gashmiut, you know, uh, you know, great uh, things and all, all kinds of indulgences and so on. You, you will no longer think about that. You will That's begin to think about God. Yeah, I, th- this started to happen to us a couple of people already, but I'm just asking, that's going to happen naturally? It's like a, it's like a light switch? Hashem's going to switch yes. it on for us? Yes, that will happen naturally. And the reason why it may be happening to you girls yes. is because with, we are so close. You know, there's, you ever see a light that has a glow besides the light? Yes. You ever see light on a light bulb? Yes. Anyways, you can look at the bulb directly, correct? Yeah. Or... You could look at it from the side, so you don't see the light, you see its glow, right? Mm-hmm. That's called, or is the light, and the ha'ora is the glow. So, before the Mashiach comes, there's going to be a glow, and that will be picked up by people. Got that? Yes. So, this year to come is basically a year of growth. Uh, for the Jewish people, and uh, less anti-Semitism, and just, you know, a, a part of the process. But there's nothing really major that's going to happen in the physical sense. Spiritually, a lot of things will happen, but in the physical sense, not much change. Initially, correct, yes. Because the key is not a physical change. Correct. The key is a consciousness and a direction in life. That's the key. The physical change will happen by Mashiach bin David. There will be no more death, no more sickness, no more poverty. It will be a time of unbelievable joy. Because that's really what it's all about. Because once the Zoyama is over, right? Once the Klipa is gone, which is part of the Zoyama, once the, the Satan is dead, then the only thing left is Kiddusha, is holiness. And holiness will pr- produce incredible joy. You see. So that and that obviously will, is physical. You know, imagine all hospitals shut down. There's no more graves. There's no more cemeteries. Could you imagine what that is? Different world. It's a different world. Yes, and we cannot imagine that world because it is so different than what we live in now. You know, look, we live in the swamp. You know, can we imagine what it, li- what it is to live, let's say, in the, uh, you know, imagine we, 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 our residence is in the swamp. Can you imagine what that is to go out of the swamp and live, uh, let's say, in Las Vegas? I mean, you know, or the uh, Miami. You know what I'm saying? We, we can't imagine that. They are polar opposites. That's what's going to happen in the Messianic era. Look, it's going to be an unbelievable time. And you're going to have to, uh, what do you call it, uh, pinch yourself 
a hundred times a day to say to yourself, I can't believe this is happening. But it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You won't believe it's happening. It it is so shocking and stunning that you won't believe it's happening. You see. And like I say, you're going to have to pinch yourself a hundred times a day just to say, am I awake? Is this happening? Wow. That's like with the makot. They they couldn't use, it was pinch yourself. Exactly. Yeah, you couldn't believe that it was happening. Yeah, they couldn't believe it. Imagine being a slave for hundreds of years and all of a sudden they're experiencing the exact opposite of slavery, which is unbelievable elevation. How could they believe it? 